Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? The fairest is Luke, though you are pretty. You must kill him if you want to be a little prettier by comparison. <laughs> though beauty is not a zero-sum game. If someone had only you and Luke to choose from, they would choose Luke. <laughs> These aren't even couplets. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm leaning forward in my chair, waiting for the next rhyme. Okay. You know what, Evan? You know what? Hmm. You quoted a famous pre-existing couplet that you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna out you on this. This is our second attempt at recording the intro. The first time you didn't <laughs> okay. even get the this? actual. How about this? You needed my I'm help on that. I'm not sending you that audio file. <laughs> You're not sending me that audio file. That's okay. It doesn't exist. I can refer. I'm referring to it right now. You didn't even have the real couplet. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> this is like you reading from a script and not getting your lines right and then criticizing me for my improv. Which I'll acknowledge, my improv is not the best in the world. It's second best. All right? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you put me up last <laughs> Listeners, this was the Scooby Dudes, but you know what? I'm done. I'm out. Find yourself a new co. Now, this is the Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast where two best friends razz each other about their <laughs> b- bad line deliveries. They also talk about their favorite meddling kids. And that their med- the meddling kids is Dumb Dog, too, named Scooby Doo. This week, we're talking about 13 Ghosts. The 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo, everyone's favorite Scooby Doo series. The episode that we're doing is called Reflections of a Ghoulishai. Or in a ghoulish eye. Reflections in a ghoulish eye. While visiting a Moroccan paranormal convention, the gang has to stop a mirror demon. Hence the mirror intro. Uh, and I'm going to say what I always say when we do the show. Go to our website if you want to listen from the beginning, because this is a show that has carryover, or it, it's a lot, some strong-ish continuity. Ish. Go to scoobydudes.com. Go to the drop-down uh, in the archives, episodes by, se- by series. And then you'll see all of our um, 13 Ghost episodes. You're painting in two broad strokes. Go to ScoobyDudes.com. Hit enter once you've put in the address into the address bar. Otherwise, it won't search. Then when you look at that page, you might have to scroll up or down a little bit, depending. If you're on mobile, it'll look a little bit different, but it's Squarespace. So it's supposed to have responsive design. I th- hey, you're you're giving me a look again. You did this. You did it. You oh come on. Oh, oh wait wait. You're right, Luke. Let me apologize. I was going to tell our listeners to Fine. do something in a straightforward manner. I'm so sorry for putting you on blast Thank for you. making a bit out of what I was saying. I'm sorry I did everything gay backwards. I'm not as straightforward as you are, man. <laughs> sorry. Okay, you can't say the word gay backwards and then I can't say play our theme song. Is gay backwards a bad term? I don't know. It just doesn't sound good. (laughs) But straightforward is fine. It's okay to associate (laughs) it that way. You know what, man? You know what? I apologize because that was wrong of me. That was a bad decision. (laughs) Theme song. Theme song. All right. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. You know, Evan, getting into this episode, can we start out describing the uh, theme song intro? Because I think that has a little, uh, a very concise summary of what 
sets up this episode, what happens in the three episodes prior. Yeah, dog. For one thing, I really like the music in the theme song. I think we've talked about that before, but it's really kind of exciting, and the quality on the theme song is a cut above the rest of the episode. But what do you think? Remind me. I, I think that the theme song is really nice, and I like that it provides a little snapshot much like the Batman, the animated series opening, it kind of tells you everything you need to know about the show that you're about to watch. Yeah, and, uh, and basically what we need to know is that Vincent Van Gogh, a character modeled on and voiced by Vincent uh, Price, uh, is sending the Scooby gang, which in this case consists of Scooby, Shaggy, Daphne, Scrappy, and a new character named Flim Flam, on a quest to return 13 very big evil ghosts to a chest from which they were released. Shaggy asks in the theme song, but why us? And Vincent Van Gogh says, because you let them out. It is, it's episode four, um, Reflections in a Ghoulish Eye. We, we open up in Marrakesh. Morocco. Uh, we know this because Vincent Van Gogh, he has a little bit of a rhyme that he uses to introduce things. It's, I'm just going to say very quickly, in Marrakesh, where swamis dwell, there stands a rather posh hotel. Tis there our heroes hope to find a wicked ghost with evil mind. And Vincent always gives us a little rhyme at the beginning before we zoom into the hotel. This episode made me realize how much I miss seeing the villain in action in a cold open. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that there are two horror movie tropes that you can go with. And one of them is, right off the bat, we're going to show you the villain. They're going to kill someone, or or in the case of Scooby-Doo, they're going to scare someone. And that sets up the threat. And sometimes the villain or the ghost is just always off screen so that when you see it it is like a big significant moment it's a slow burn reveal it's a clover furled clover furled type situation <laughs> luke you're drunk show me of sorry i just spit out those marbles <laughs> uh here's my here's my concern going into this episode and and it was largely unfounded which i think is interesting i was very worried that since this episode takes place in morocco uh, that this was going to be pretty racist. This was going to be one of those racist episodes that we have to really go at. It was really not. It, I was surprised. I think there's some moments where a couple like animation decisions weren't as great as they could be, but I would call this an overwhelmingly not racist episode. It doesn't say something great necessarily about the history of Scooby-Doo that we're like, hey, a non-racist episode in another country. Yeah, we're, we're but, so pleasantly surprised. But yeah, we, we open up in Marrakesh, Morocco, where swamis dwell. Um, Swamis being um, Hindu leaders, so yes. I don't. That seems a little bit like, well, you know what? It's one of them turban countries. That okay? Now you are a racist. <laughs> no, I mean they focus in, and they, this does in fact take place in a turban city center. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> I can't believe I validated that for a moment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I said it. I took it as so normal. You said, <laughs> yeah, man. You, it was you're right. You're so agreeable. <laughs> I said, I said, for a moment, I was like, "Yeah, a turban city center. That ha- that's there in Morocco." I know so little about Morocco. I can't. I, it's. I'm embarrassed. Basically, let's let's lay the groundwork as Daphne lays it for us really quick. They got a telegram from Vincent Van Gogh, their distant correspondent, um, asking to meet them there. Um, Scrappy says it's to grab a ghostie. I can't wait to splat him. And the term ghosty is used a lot in this episode. It sounds racist. That, to me, is the most racist part of this episode. I thought it sounded very intimate. Or, or it indicated a level of comfort and familiarity. Hmm. Like, oh, it's a little ghosty. A little ghosty. To me, it sounds like a slur. 
Very opposite sides of the spectrum. Very opposite. Um, but no, to me, slurs are intimate. To me, that's a sign <laughs> of affection when I use a slur. For instance, let me rattle off a couple of examples here. Favorite, top 10 slurs. Hmm. Let's each say our top slur at the same time. You know, what I like is as you're saying that, I can already see your webcam, your, your webcam screen being the snapshot to that YouTube video. Like, like <laughs> Luke lists his top 10 slurs. <laughs> I see it in the sidebar. Hang on, let me make a YouTube face. You know what? Honestly, it's my fault for watching so many PewDiePie videos <laughs> that uh, the related content just pops up. Oh, pewds. Um, so basically, at this hotel, uh, it it just so happens that there's also uh, what is called a paranormal convention in town. And what I think is funny is, as soon as Scrappy sees that there's a paranormal convention, he says, I'll handle this! Or, I don't know, whatever he sounds like. You'll handle a convention? Yeah, no, that's exactly like Flim Flam says, looks like there's a convention in town. And Scrappy says, I'll handle this! Da -da 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 -da, puppy power! And we know that means he's gonna splat something. So it's like, if this was a comic book convention, would you act the same way? Or like an anime con or something like that? As if the proper response to a convention is to beat people up. And look, Scrappy's not wrong. That's the big thing we have to say. Is he's actually the voice of... Re We're positioned to agree with Scrappy during this episode at all times. Uh, Scrappy starts haranguing the guests. And he is... And then there's a funny little exchange. Um, and I will say, right off the bat, just so that I would don't have to spend too much time at the tail end of this episode, I quite liked it from beginning to end. There's some stuff I really liked in this. There's some stuff that I really did not like in this. Um, but I, I have one part in this episode where my notes say... And I quote, I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this, many exclamation points. So pumped for that. Uh, one thing I, one facet of this episode I quite enjoyed was the wordplay. Because, and I looked this up on Wikipedia, French is commonly spoken in Morocco. Mm. Uh, because of colonization, blah, blah, blah. It's, mm. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, like, blah, blah, blah in the sense that, like, we don't need to go into the evils it, of colonization. It's, it's a pain, it's, I mean, it's a painful and, and fraught history, but but one that results in French being a language that's commonly spoken there. And I agree with you, the wordplay in this episode is fantastic. This would be great in a, a current Scooby-Doo episode. So, um, this, the, the concierge says, uh, excuse me, monsieur, you're disturbing the guests. And Scrappy's like, oh, excuse me, sorry, Mr. The Guests. And they follow that up with another pretty tight piece of wordplay where con the concierge says, you must leave unless you have reservations. And Shaggy says, I have reservations about this whole trip. It's it's great. Whoever was writing this it was. was just like knocking it out of the park. Like they're they're doing great work. Funny enough, it's the delivery on Shaggy's line that gets me because he says that line mugging smilingly to the camera. It's like, did you have to animate him acting badly? That seems like it would take more work. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, when they, when they pull up, there's a camel loading, unloading zone, and we see all these rows of camels. Camels make a big thematic appearance in this episode. I, I don't want to touch on this throughout. I will say, just right, right at the top, there is a camel that feels very amorously towards our protagonist, Scooby-Doo. And, and just keeps macking on Scooby all throughout the episode. And, and like trying to give him like hickeys, it looks like, yeah. on the face. And Scooby's not having it at any point. Like he's really kind of, he's not, no thank you, I don't want this. I'm just trying to uh, live my life. But at the very end of the episode, he seems into it. Uh, Which is weird because just two episodes ago, Scooby had a Sleeping Beauty situation with a member of his own species and he was disgusted. 
I think I think it's just a matter um, of this camel sort of putting in the legwork, and yet she persisted, uh, and so here we are. <laughs> oh God! How <laughs> dare you tool it that way? Uh, so. Um, Bogle and Weird are also present. Yeah, Bogle and Weird make an appearance. They were the ghosts who tricked Scooby and Shaggy into releasing these 13 ghosts to begin with back in the first episode. They're kind of like, in my mind, the uh, Home Alone burglars. The Sticky Bandits. The Sticky Bandits. One of them is slightly more competent than the other, but they're both very incompetent. And one is fat and one is slender, which is kind of like a fun, like, ooh, it... There's a... Yeah, they kind of they they play off each other a little bit, and they're really not in the last two episodes we saw, but they're in the very first episode. So apparently they'll they'll appear throughout this series. But yeah, we we see them here very briefly. Bogle makes a lot of weird as stinky jokes right at the beginning, like they're doing some wordplay with weird has body odor. And I think kids like I don't know like jokes about like smelly things. Like I remember back in the day, I think that was sort of like a hot just topic comedy wise i mean in the live action scooby-doo movie the first one there's an extended fart joke scene between scooby and shaggy that i did not think was unfunny as a kid (laughs) i didn't not laugh and appreciate it greatly (laughs) just to move the move things along a little bit the gang because they're famous is given a room despite not having a reservation the concierge gives them room 13 well i think they do have reservations no i think they say they're part of the scooby gang oh and that's when he says Oh, then we do have a room. Okay. Then we can make room for you. Um, a flawless accent. He gives them a key to room 1313, unlucky, and uh, says, but the maids are cleaning in there. And yes, listeners, I do this every time we hear the concierge speak. That's going to happen. I wish he was in this episode more. So we, we find out two things about Bogle and Weird. Mm. Number one is, Bogle and Weird sent them a fake telegram. They were the ones who drew them in here. Vincent Van Gogh had nothing to do with it, which makes sense. Vincent communicates with them via crystal ball. With a ball. crystal ball. Yeah, although that was broken at one point, but I think they got a new one. So the gang should have known. But um, Bogle and Weird are waiting for them. The, these maids go in there, and in, in, in short, one of the maids is sucked into a magical mirror. Yes, Bogle and Weird um, are acting as the henchmen of a ghost that I looked up on the Scooby Wiki is called the reflector specter which i think is great but is not mentioned at not all in this episode at any point in this episode they should have named that if you give bogle and weird names at least give their boss a name you know uh so he sucks her in and then he's like pissed um because he's like the mortal that i wanted to i guess consume was not this poor uh moroccan maid i wanted um i don't know like two white teens a small ethnic boy and two dogs and two dogs yeah that's the perfect to to a mirror ghost i I get that you don't know those seven but that is a balanced diet that's Uh, like one pull from every part of the food pyramid for a mirror ghost a reflector specter is that what it is a reflector dude that is good they should have dropped it i feel like dude i'm tempted to say that is the scooby wikia writer taking some creative liberties (laughs) this is like their one opportunity to get creative honestly huge props if if that is the case but yeah, the, the Reflector Spectre is none too happy about this. He wants to catch the gang. By the way, the Reflector Spectre, how would you describe him? I would say right here at the beginning, I would describe him almost not at all. It's very hard to see him inside this magical mirror, which Bogle and Weird are, I guess, um, have in their possession. Yeah, it's like trying to view a dragon through a pinhole. 
we it's such a limited cramped view of him but to me it looked like a blue dragon thing kind of interesting kind of weird when we do see him in full i think the the design is actually really great on this book. i love i think it's really masterful uh character design i'm very i was very impressed it's in a class of its own um we cut from that mirror ghost back to the gang um they're kind of exploring the paranormal invention convention mm -hmm. i like some of the wordplay we have here where I think Scrappy says, like, oh, it's a paranormal convention. Shaggy, I don't see a paranormal guys anywhere. Uh, Shaggy's just, like... He's on his game. He's he's killing it. He's killing it. Every People are, like, they're not even lobbing. They're just, they're, yeah. they're pitching to him, and he's knocking yep. them out the park. They're doing fastballs, curveballs. They're they're putting some heat on that, and uh, and he's still knocking it out of the park. I also like the follow-up that Flim Flam actually gives us the definition of paranormal, because that makes it more kid-accessible, which I like. Yeah, it's weird that, like, as a almost 30-year-old man, some of my highlights on these shows is when they explain things to kids and teach them. I know it's not for me, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, but I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, like, look, listeners, I'm really smart, but I like it when the show assumes that I'm really dumb <laughs> and gives me the opportunity and brings me up to speed. Though, to be clear, I was already up to speed. We all know what paranormal is. We we all know, but like Evan, did you get a note on that? Could you remind me what the definition was? But we all know. But could you tell me? Let's move on. Hey, we meet the ugliest person I think we've ever seen in a Scooby Doo episode. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but there is no beauty in my eye when this guy comes on screen. It sounds like this beholder was holding his bees up to his eyes and swallowing them shut. Because that's the only way. <laughs> what on earth? You know, I thought the Michael Jackson you know winter what? glove that you're wearing was the weirdest thing I was going to I was going to have today. Yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry you didn't like that. Um, <laughs> it was so dense. <laughs> yeah, it was very concise. Like it was very so dense. dense. You started going into that and I was like, I'm tuning out. I'm going to save a couple of brain cells for the rest of the episode. Uh it it is well known, hmm. I guess that um Scooby and Shaggy and Co are ghosts. They're not ghost hunters. They're more ghost unmaskers. Yeah. But I guess at this point, they've captured two. They've captured two of the 13 ghosts, but we have no reason to think that that has been really broadcast around. I guess this is predicated on their fame prior to this series, which hasn't been introduced in either of the three preceding episodes. And they're so famous they're big in Morocco, which I don't know as being a big mystery town. I mean, this guy named Sandy, and he is white, so I don't believe he's Moroccan, comes up to them. Can you describe him? Because you said he was the ugliest person you've ever seen. He looks like a troll doll and the Slim Jim guy had a baby <laughs> who eats airplane parts and never gets <laughs> dental work. I would describe him as a number of nerd stereotypes just kind of like mashed together. So he's got like pants that have been like pulled up to his nipples. Um, he's got uh, a very poindexterous. I mean, he's got he's super skinny. He's got a conical spike of red hair that goes straight up like a cone, um, and he has terrible, terrible teeth. And he says that things are decent. That's kind of like his thing. Like, oh, that's so decent, which I guess is like nerdy. And I, I think he also says like, I must say or I must ask. Really, um, the only thing he doesn't have is like chunky glasses with like tape in the middle. Tape on the middle. That's the only thing he's missing. And I think, frankly, they should have done that. That would have made him a little more endearing. I think either that or cut him entirely. He is, I mean, he is really the part of this episode that I thought did not work remotely. That is so interesting because I will, once we get a little bit further in this episode, I will share what I enjoyed about that. Okay. I'm, I am very interested <clears throat> to hear this. 
Uh, I mean, uh, next basically what happens is he gets Scooby's autograph and shows it to his uh, compatriot, Selma. Selma is, a, is an older white lady who also happens to be a purveyor of crystal balls. Yes. Um, do we, should we talk about her appearance? Sure. Can you talk about her appearance? No. I have one note, man, and I don't want to give it. <laughs> Your note is the only note I want to hear. I don't want to give you this note because I think you know what the note is. Can you just, can we just, can you acknowledge that you know what my note is? Let's yes. not share it with the I, listeners. No, I want to know, maybe just whisper it to me. Okay, but can you promise that you'll stop recording and we'll both start as soon as I say it again yes. so that none of the listeners will hear it? Her boobs, man. <laughs> she got really big boobs, and this her top four fits to form them as if she has sleeves for each one. <laughs> I didn't notice this at all. What? <laughs> what? Now, I dude, I thought it was conspicuous because of how distinctly and effortfully an- like animated that was. It seemed. No? Are we talking? Were there like dead or alive style jiggle physics? Is that what you're saying right now? Maybe. Uh, maybe I'm. I'm reworking those. I'm remastering it <laughs> in, in retrospect. I'm coming out with a gold game of the year edition version. I'm not even kidding. I had no like. I did not have a good idea of what you were gonna say. That was not in my top like five things. Let's move on. Or no, no. What was your thought on Selma? I, I didn't really have any. Um. Well, I, I'm still. We're still coming up on it. Basically, she has these crystal balls. Vincent Van Gogh calls in, uh, the adults, which is to say, um, Scooby, Shaggy, and Daphne. The adults go to take the call. The children. Scrappy and Flim Flam go off to look at cool stuff. That being um, the vacuum spook, uh, a vacuum cleaner that sucks up ghosts. A pretty clear reference to Ghostbusters, which did come out one year before this series. That is fascinating, and that's so interesting because I was thinking about the fact that um, in Luigi's Mansion, he has the Poltergust 3000, which is a vacuum cleaner that sucks up ghosts. And just the idea that there's now this part of, like, the public consciousness that's like one way of like capturing ghosts is by sucking them up i was actually i was like genuinely wondering if like i did ghostbusters just like create this and then that's it but you know what that's my thought too because i don't think it's original here ghostbusters definitely preceded it but did something precede ghostbusters i think that there's something about because ghosts are kind of like ephemeral and like they have like no uh corporeality and like substance to Mm -hmm. them that sucking them up into a vacuum cleaner I think is a is a tight visual for like a comic book or a cartoon. yeah. I think it makes sense, and obviously like a cage or a net or something like that doesn't really work. It makes me think that like in like an eighteen and nineteen hundreds ghost stories, did they use like bellows to suck up ghosts and stuff? <laughs> is that like the the preceding thing to to Ghostbusters? Maybe I don't know. I can kind of see that like but period piece Ghostbusters would work that way. It would absolutely work that way. I'm just gonna run through a. F- bunch of plot points so at, at this point Bogle and weird have the mirror uh and they're dressed up as what i would call like painters commercial painters um and and i thought it was really funny because they're they're hefting around this mirror that has the reflector specter inside of it but they're tiptoeing but they're like in public they're not tiptoeing like around corners or in alleyways they're just tiptoeing like out in the open and that was like very funny to me 
And the reflector specter doesn't appear in the mirror all the time. It looks like a normal mirror most of the time. Really, the fact that they both look like they're made of cheese is the reason <laughs> that Bogle and Weird should be suspicious. Also, later in the episode, they're invisible, so they, they kind of appear when they want to appear. So, uh, Vincent Van Gogh, via Crystal Ball, tells them that, first of all, he did not send a telegram, it's a trap, and second of all, find an amulet. And he calls it the Amulet of Ishkabibble. Bogle and Weird are trying to capture them with the reflector specter coming out of the mirror, but they are inadvertently stymied by the fact that Scooby and Shaggy jostle the crystal ball stand, and crystal balls go everywhere, but not a single one breaks. Not a, that's the crazy thing. What are crystal balls made of in this world? Um, yeah, the, we have one of those classic gags where everyone's running like on a log flume uh, on the crystal balls. Is that it? Am I using that right? <clears throat> I think I think I am. I think I think you are. I'm also just yeah. smiling and nodding. You're like the ethnic person in the background of a very white music video. Yeah, you got it. You got it. What is that from? There's a movie where the guy... Oh, man. I'm so glad that people I'm cannot see I'm like the smiling bongo recording. guy. You know, that, that part of yeah, one he, movie. Yeah, he, he basically says that, like I, like, I just drum and I do, like, the African face or something. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes somewhere. <laughs> Oh, so that that's crazy opportunity for Scooby and Shaggy to get away. Simultaneously, um, a Flim Flam is trying to barter for the uh, vacuum spook. Uh, I really liked that part as well, actually, um, because he asks how much the vacuum spook is, and the vendor says like three thousand dollars, and Flim Flam is um, says something along the lines of, "I'll do you one better." He says, "Split the difference, buck seventy-five. It's it's great because we go back to to like the adults, and then we go back to the kids. And Flim Flam is saying like he's bit lower. He's, lower. <laughs> he's undercut his own offer. He says, "All right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you twenty-five cents, and that's my final offer. It's it's great. Um, there's there's this uh little bit where um, Scooby gets vacuumed into the va- the vacuum spook." Yeah. Probably. I think any vacuum cleaner thing is kind of a Chekhov's gun of Scooby getting sucked into it. Like Scooby and the um, and the printing press in a, oh, yeah. the, in a, a bicycle name. built for Boo. Ultimately, Flim Flam does get the vacuum spook for free once all the crystal balls are rolling around and whatnot. Um, the guy does eject Scooby from the vacuum spook. Um, or I'm getting the order a little bit mixed up here. But the thing that really hit me, if I can t- handle this part, is that the seller ejects Scooby from the vacuum scoop, vacuum spook. Scooby is ejected at a speed that defies logic and decimates the entire convention. This is like the ending of Man of Steel after Scooby <laughs> has been shot out of the vacuum spook. Okay, I am so jealous and impressed that that's the analogy that you Thank went you. with. Uh, I... So he, he he crashes into the rest of the paranormal convention and because I guess of the aesthetics, you know, it's it's they kind of went with a Middle Eastern-y kind of vibe. It's it's mostly like tents and stuff that conceivably even a small dog could knock over. But there's also like pillars and stuff, like stuff that I, you could change Samson to. That's what, okay, that's what I was going yes, for. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. I described yeah. it as Samson after he pulls down the pillars <laughs> on the Philistines. And the crazy thing is that Scooby is chained to those things and then they shave him and then he still pulls it down. Riv me, Rink. I will ring the roof. Round on a real estate <laughs> The references are getting really dense right now. 
this has been we're trying to record this under a time limit for our listeners and we've this has been so compact like the denseness of our references and our and our oh jokes. my goodness we but we have to move on because we haven't even covered that much of the episode just yet so the convention is in ruins i think everyone's really mad and then they chase the gang like kind of out of the main convention area because of this and and that's when the vacu spook guys just like just take it for free like it's yeah. fine somewhere in the middle of all of this this is what i really liked mm. Um, Selma and Sandy, um, they hear over the intercom that at the end of today, they're going to be giving out a Ghost Hunter of the Year award. And they think to themselves, hey, if we catch the ghost that the Scooby gang or mystery in, well, the Scooby gang, because, um, Fred and Velma are absent, we Mm. could be Ghost Hunters of the Year. And so they team up. And I love that. You like that they're teaming up trying to scoop uh, or gank uh, Scooby's ghost? I think the idea of a competing, um, I guess hmm. typically it's mystery solving, in this case ghost hunting, competing with the gang is such a fresh idea. I think that's a fresh idea. I don't think it's executed super cleanly here because they're also trying to support and have this admiration for the Scooby gang, but at, at the same time they're trying to compete with them, and they never quite... Mm, they never quite land on one side or the other for me. To me, they're half-characterized, a little half-baked. I can agree with that. Also, Sandy is hideous, but on the other side, Selma stacked. So it's like... Would you would you refer to Sandy as being mighty? Uh, yeah, she's mighty mighty. <laughs> she's... She's letting... Uh, letting most of it. You know what? No, she's letting it all... Oh, hang. What happens next is that they go into the hotel. <laughs> they go into the hotel, and the concierge is, set, is blaming them for the supernatural kidnapping of his maid. Of his maid. He says, this is your room. Who else could get in here aside from all the maids and myself and many, many other people? He says, I'm going to call the police. And then immediately we have a what I don't want to call Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You know what? I guess this is... T- I guess it is a Scooby Doop of sorts. The Scooby Doop, for listeners who don't know, mm. typically enacted by Scooby and Shaggy, they put on a little bit of a. They're play acting, they're creating a scenario uh, in which the social pressures are so great that the monster that is involved is forced to comply. Uh, for instance, here they might. Scooby and Shaggy might pretend, if they're getting chased by a monster, might pretend to have a paranormal booth that they pop up to try and sell the monster something. Uh, that's a, a very typical Scooby-Doop. In this series, they're almost always helmed by Flim Flam, which kind of makes it feel a little less like a Scooby-Doop, though historically anyone can legally participate in a Scooby-Doop. What's, what's so interesting to me about this episode is that they really separate the adults from the kids. That's really how I want to dub these two groups. And You're right. There's a lot of Flim Flam Scrappy. Like, there's so much. And in this case, Flim Flam and Scrappy show up, and I would say it's honestly so cute. It's so adorable because they're wearing these tiny little trench coats and these like tiny little uh, fedoras. With hard shadows of, over their eyes. This is a real, from Calvin and Hobbes, tracer bullet kind of gag with them in these trench coats pretending to be cops. And they kind of go hard at the gang trying to sell the concierge on this idea. Like they put Scooby and Shaggy up against the wall like perps and Flim Flam like pats them down. He pulls a radio out of Shaggy's pocket and says, well, you won't be needing this in Sing Sing. They say that they're they're wanted in, like, numerous states. They're just like, oh, yeah. you're, you're lucky that we got them. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened. 
um, and then they um, they they head out, and right before they close the door behind them, Flimflam says, "The story you have seen is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the ignorant." And then they slam the door. And I don't remember what that is in reference to. They also make a, a Columbo joke, some just the facts, ma'am, uh, moments. Uh, they they get a lot of gags in for their buck. The gang escapes. They're all panting afterwards. Uh, Daphne's like, oh, goodness, we barely made it out. Uh, they're kind of reviewing the facts. Uh, well, VVG, uh, Vincent Van Gogh says that there's an evil spirit. That must be who kidnapped the maid. And we need an amulet now, apparently. Um, and Scrappy's like, oh, I'm going to splat him. And Flimflam knows of a bazaar where they saw amulets and stuff. They go to the bazaar. If, if, sorry, really quick, before we before we get there, can I just say, as they're reviewing these facts, there is a camel, like, really conspicuously in the background. Kind of like that creepy guy in college who's not a friend, but kind of, like, stands around and waits to become a friend. That, maybe that was me. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> but no, this, this camel is just, like, right there. And as the gang is talking about completely unrelated stuff, the camel goes, I knew I should have stayed at the Ritz. And then we go back to reviewing the facts. It's the most, it's so separate from everything. I, I think it's, if you think of this show as a documentary or them um, filming everything live. By the way, Evan, I don't. I don't, I don't. I don't think we should. I think it's, it's, um, it's the camel wanting to get in, like, to, into the, is it the Screen Actors Guild? Is that what it's called? He, know, need, I, he needs to get one line in because then he can become a in. part of the guild. Then he has a, a line. I think he's like the guy who walks behind the on-the-street reporter and mugs at the camera. <laughs> That's kind of who he is. Uh, but to your point, they go from there to a uh, a paranormal bazaar. It, it's just called a bazaar. Um, and Flim Flam's like, oh, I know of a bazaar mm. where they sell amulets. They go to the bazaar and they literally only sell amulets <laughs> really i did not notice that like it is it is a chorus of vendors saying amulets amulets here you want some amulets <laughs> hey amulets free amulet sample the the funnier thing to me is that immediately upon getting in daphne is confronted by someone who's like here the amulet of ishkabibble take it uh right off to the side you you see a small bespectacled scientist who is hawking uh amulets du fromage and that's all he can say <laughs> You know, I don't know who else that joke will land for, Evan. That might be no one but me, but that is great, and I love that. I love that. Yeah, here's the thing. I got you the, got dude, it. Dude, I got that. That's the, that's the episode of Dexter's Lab that I remember most distinctly, by far. The person who does approach uh, Daphne and gives the amulet of Ishkabibble looks to me like Jafar in disguise. Like, the way he presents himself, too. Do you is... remember? Oh, yeah, maybe it's the way he presents himself. He's like, hey, I've got exactly what it is you want. Here, take this. Go find treasure and bring it to me. Two things. The first is, I don't think you're remembering Jafar in disguise very accurately. He was a monstrous man. He was a monstrous man with the teeth of Sandy. <laughs> true, true. No exaggeration. I got that part right. It, it, very accurate. Secondly, um, it's very... Yuri, because Daphne is like, oh, well, I need to pay you. Like, how much, what do I have to give you? And he's like, your happiness. Your happiness is all the payment I need. And then she, like, looks at the amulet, and uh, it's had, it's clearly written backwards, <laughs> like, plain English. And she's like, this is some weird foreign language. If this was a mystery mask mix-up, then they would show it in a car side mirror, and Scooby would be able to decipher it. 
Yeah, but for me, because, and I might cut this, I watched it just on a pirated streaming site. The whole episode was actually reversed to prevent automatic <laughs> takedowns. So all of the text up to this point was backwards, and that was the one thing that was plain English. <laughs> and so look, Daphne, look at it. It's like some weird language. No, Daphne, you're illiterate. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, I, I mean, I'll just—I do kind of want you to cut it, but I think that's I, funny. I, I might. I guess there are two interpretations, and one is, um, your happiness at receiving this is all the payment I need, and the other being, you need to give me your happiness. Like, you whatever makes you happy, I need that now in payment for this amulet. Or like, if what if she's not happy? What if she's sad? Does she have to give the pay, the amulet back? Is there, like, a, 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 a repackaging surcharge? Um, also, the way... I like that when she looks up from the amulet and is like, hey, this is written in gobbledygook. It, the seller is running away like <laughs> like a Batman sketch. As if, you know, like, he, someone throws down the uh, smoke pellet and then is, like, clearly walking away, like, behind a dumpster. I, I think they meant it to be kind of mysterious, but I can only think of it as extremely funny. It's the funniest... Maybe the funniest moment in the episode for me. Ooh. Um, uh, let's save what the amulet actually says for a little later and get back to Sandy and Selma who are trying to track down a ghost using some kind of divining rod gadget but they f what they see is Bogle and Weird I guess what they see is a floating mirror that's actually being carried by Bogle and Weird and they follow that Bogle and Weird are now wearing what I have dubbed ethnic costumes um, and there is a man who is doing snake charming up on stage and Bogle and Weird basically boot him off and try to get the mortals up there for easy capture. So Daphne is still off having gotten the amulet, so it's the rest of the gang. And what listeners, if this is your first episode hearing us cover um, 13 Ghosts, what you may not know is that 13 Ghosts is an extremely musical series. I think there's a musical number in just about every episode, isn't there? Sometimes more than one. My gosh, how, where, how does this song stack up? Compared to the 13 Ghosts. I really liked it. Really? I thought it was okay, but it's no Me and My Shadow Demon. Me and My Shadow Demon is A1. It, it, it's, it's me the... and my shadow demon. By the way, that's Casey Kasem. <laughs> so take it up with him. Go back and listen to that episode. It was a fun one. Here, it's I would title this song Give Him the Old Flim Flam is the name of this one. I like it. They, they wear, um, like... Uh, coats with tails and like top hats and they have like canes and they do like a whole bit yeah when, when trouble starts a brune and I'm in a jam what do I do this is flim flam singing Scooby responds I don't know give him the old flim flam when ghosties start to chase us and they try to pull their scam what do we do Scrappy's like biff him and baff him terrible Scrappy sorry <laughs> give him the old flim flam and I, if I, oh I'm sorry if flim flam had hit puberty yeah. That's what it would have sounded like. Um, um, at this point, Bogle and Weird have brought the mirror up, and we get to see the Reflector Spectre in all of its glory for the first time. I would describe the Reflector Spectre as looking a lot like a gargoyle. It has very like craggy kind of features. The way it's colored and the way it uses heavy dark spaces uh, really gives it this kind of otherworldly sense. And, and it sort of has a tail, like a classic Casper the Ghost type um, spirit, where mm, it, it trails true. away. But the way it trails away kind of looks, it has like little bit holes in it. It's kind of like jagged and a kind of... 
a little geometric, uh, yeah, like hard lines. The animation reminded me of uh, My Hero Academia. Oh, um, interesting. Which, so the ghost tries to suck up, uh, the, the Reflector Spectre tries to suck up the gang, but does not succeed. Instead, he gets Selma and Sandy. Oh no, innocent bystanders. What I liked was that Sandy and Selma were actually on the right track. Like, they saw, they were able to intuit Bogle and Weird being related to this mirror ghost, yeah. and they were like, yeah, like I said, they're on the right path, and but they're put in the line of danger. And I think that's also, like, a fun little thing that, like, you, they're like the fake Batman at the beginning of The Dark Knight. They kind of, like, they're out of their depth. That's interesting. I do kind of like that. And I, I like the way they set it up, is that these are kind of the innocent, not as skilled investigators who do have, like, they start to learn and they get on the right track, but then they're the ones who take the hit for the gang, almost in a sacrificial sense. So I think we're definitely supposed to sympathize with them, but the mirror ghost is no happy about No happier about <laughs> he no that. Happy. He still wants the gang members. The ghost no happy. He, but the mirror ghost, he no happy. Oh, I don't want to, no, not in this. Mm -mm. Nice try, Evan. Oh, you almost got me. <laughs> One of these days, you'll trick me into saying something inadvisable. I'm just, I'm just dangling bait, and I'm just like, I'm pulling the hook back, and I'm just like, it's still here. What the heck? Luke loves worms. They're just not biting today. <laughs> Here's the thing. I do want to touch on the fact that there are kind of two scooby Doops, and they're enacted on the same people, which is to say that they go back to the hotel to retrieve the vacuum spook, which they need, I guess, to capture the reflector specter. And they were like, okay... We can't let the concierge see us. And there's a fun little bit where, like, one person goes up into the hotel and they turn around and they're like, we can't let the concierge see us. And then they go in. And then that person turns around and they're like, we can't let the concierge see us. And then the very last person turns around and it's a concierge. I like the concierge as an act, as a, as a character. He's actually maybe my favorite part of this episode. That's and cool. I also, I really like this Scooby-Doop that we have, if we can still call it a Scooby-Doop. So the concierge calls security because he's like, okay, well, you got away once. Now I'm really going to get you. By the way, the way he calls security, I thought he was starting a slow clap. Because <laughs> he's like, I see that you came in. <laughs> and then security comes in, but I thought he was going to be like, real nice. You did good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I do now. <laughs> Then we have, here's one of the parts that struck me as potentially racist. The security guards that come in could have been like secret service type people. Like, I mean, they could have been dressed. They were very big bellied, shirtless, but for vests, um, men of color who kind of Do you mean in. literally the guards in Aladdin? Li very literally, yeah. Uh, without enormous scimitars. Pretty much. I want to say maybe even a little bit more uh, caricature-ish. Uh, but the gang that have it right before the gang is caught, the bell strikes midnight, I guess? It strikes a number. Um, and Flim Flam uses that to launch into a Happy New Year gag. Dupe. And then all of a sudden, um, balloons and like confetti mm. come from the ceiling. And then they start, they just burst into Auld Lang Syne. Which is great. For me, I can't hear that song and not think Mr. Bean. So it's a great callback every time, no matter what. I guess it's not a callback. That it's not always calling back to Mr. Bean when that happens. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's always it's you know, it's so funny. Every year uh, on December thirty first, when the clock strikes midnight, we all gather around and we call back to Mr. Bean. We we commemorate that episode of Mr. Bean. We look back on the year of Mr. Bean that we've all had. <laughs> And we sing the Mr. Bean song. So they run and hide. And then there's a third... They run and hide from the guards because they get away. And then there's a third dupe. 
mm-hmm. this time, and this is not um, uncommon, uh, at least from the first episode, Bogle and Weird create a dupe for Scooby and Shaggy. Yes, they do. It, it is kind of interesting that pretty much everybody gets a hand at the dupe except for Scooby and Shaggy in this series. That's how it seems. Um, and the dupe that Bogle and Weird are doing here, I do quite like. Um, I, I think it's... Uh, bo- I, uh, they say, we've got the latest duds at new lower prices. We're selling clothes. And uh, Scooby looks at these latest duds and the new lower prices and sees a $50,000 price tag on them. That's reasonable. They put them in dresses, they put them in front of the mirror, and they are in obvious danger. And Daphne runs up, and she's like, you guys, like, no, wait. But they're all sucked in, which I didn't think was going to happen in this episode. We've talked a lot about cartoons from our childhood, uh, our respective childhoods. Um, Rocco's modern, Rocco's modern life is one example. I would say that Dumbo is another example, and I would say that um, Alice in Wonderland is another example, where there are cartoons where there's a lot of weirdness, and it gives us it gave us a sense of existential dread. Really, a Dumbo, I kind of agree with. Alice in Wonderland actually never. I don't know how strongly it gave me that sense. Oh, I guess that, for for me that's the strongest. Like Alice in Wonderland above everything. I think ultimately in Alice in Wonderland, when we get to the Queen of Hearts, that's where it happens for me. But prior to that, it's kind of a fun adventure for me. To me, she's lost, and the Cheshire Cat keeps like disappearing, and it's really scary and disturbing. I, you know, I was probably more disturbed than I realized. I'm kind of I'm probably rose tinting it in retrospect. Um, but this is another one of those kind of really, really weird places. And this is also, I'll, I'll say, the part where I wrote, I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. Oh. MC Escher World, 100 exclamation points. It's so cool. I, here's the thing. It's so cool. It did not give me a sense of existential dread. I was just like, this is incredible. I was wowed by it. I can't remember the last... I, I, I was floored. I couldn't believe that they actually got sucked into the mirror, and I couldn't believe when they were in the mirror that they put this much effort into really giving it this life and color. So there is this kind of standard, like, oh, MC Escher, there's stairs that go in all different directions. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. But then... Uh, they're, like, in this weird abstract uh, animated mm-hmm. di- dimension space, and the gang members all walk towards each other, and as they become closer, they maintain their size relative to i mean like they change shape from perspective how do you describe it i think yeah they're like the our perspective as the viewer shifts it's very it's it's very seamlessly done it's like someone farther away from you who looks small in the distance walks closer and they don't get bigger as they get closer they They just realize they say the same size the closer they get and someone close to you walks further away but they stay the same size relatively so that you realize they're a giant. The part of the, I mean, it's, I mean, they put so much effort into this little moment. I thought they'd just be in a black void. It's one brief moment, but it is very, very cool. I, yeah, I would recommend watching at least that part of this episode. Um, also, I, and I will, I'll put a gif in of that moment, actually, mm. on our site. Now, as we're going through this kind of abstract MC Escher-esque space, um, we see everyone else that's been sucked in at some point. We see Selma and Sandy, we see the maid. Um, so we realize no one's died just yet. Daphne, as well, looks at the amulet and it's now reading forwards to her. It's reflected because she's in the inside of the mirror and she sees that it says, uh, Mirror, mirror, magic portal. Open up for this poor mortal. At which point they get out. <laughs> At which point they're ejected from the mirror, but that doesn't defeat the mirror monster. 
the Reflector Spectre. That is up to the Vacu Spook, which is definitely the Chekhov's Vacu Spook. And here's the thing. I just realized that a fourth dupe takes place because the door opens and Flim Flam and Shaggy, are, sorry, Flim Flam and Scrappy are dressed as the maids. <gasps> You're right. How many dupes are in this episode? It's four dupes. And then they, they suck up the ghost with the vacuum spook and the mirror melts and then they win. But it's I just have like, to say, Flim Flam dressed up as a maid holding a vacuum spook. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like saying this, but it was kind of badass. It's kind of like it a was, nun a with a machine. Really it's like cool. a nun with a Tommy gun. It's like nuns with guns. Really badass. I'm sorry, actually, is that a cuss? Is that a swear? Will I have to censor that? It's really naughty button. I, think you're, I actually think you're fine. I would keep it. It's really mischievous rump. I was going to say misbehaving anus. <laughs> misbehaving anus? Misbehaveness? Oh, goodness, guy. <laughs> no, I tried to do the same thing, and I decided not to. <laughs> At least you did it in your head. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's just, let's just wrap up this episode. So um, we've caught the uh, monster. Of course, that means the Scooby gang is going to be the one. They're going to be the ones that get the uh, award for the, the Ghost Catcher Award. And just for our listeners who may be concerned about the maid, after the mirror melts away, the maid appears. So yes, she's and also Sandy safe. and Selma are ejected as well. Yeah. Um, so everyone lives. It only makes sense that this episode would close on the Ghost of the Year award ceremony. The Ghost Catcher of the Year. Right. They already gave the Ghost of the Year award. It went to Casper. He takes it every year. It's not fair. They should really foster some new talent. I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) The person presenting the award, I, I really like this part a lot. The person presenting the award is the mysterious old man who originally gave Daphne the amulet. And when he comes on stage, he peels off the beard and mask, and it was it was, it's Vincent Van Gogh. And I'm not gonna lie to you, when the when this mystery man showed up again, I was like, who the heck is this guy? You didn't recognize him as the amulet guy before. I recognized before? him from the amulet guy, but I thought I didn't recognize him as Vincent Van Gogh in disguise. I didn't either. I didn't until the mask came off, and when it did, I was like, oh, that's so good. I should have seen that Wait, coming. You're telling, me, you're telling me that when the mask came off to reveal that he was Vincent Van Gogh, that's when you realized that he was I Vincent Van Gogh? I saw that it was Vincent Van Gogh, and I thought, this is Vincent Van Gogh. His face looks like Vincent Van Gogh's face. I recognize him. Unless there are two people who both look like Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, Luke, you smart. You're like, you're like Octavia Spencer's character in The Help, but really sarcastic. I, I don't know. I haven't seen The Help. <laughs> okay. Well, our listeners will get it. Uh, I like that it's kind of a weird, mo- uh, kind of an odd one-liner where Sandy's like, he's really famous, I must say. It's kind of, it's really kind of overtly planted in there that Scooby and Vincent Van Gogh are, they're, they're all really famous. I would have liked it if Sandy had had more character as a, as an autograph chaser. Yeah, as a fanboy, he got Scooby's autograph right at the beginning, but then there's no, nothing else really done with that. I also would have liked it if they were trying to catch the ghost, if there's just one line for like, so we can be like the Scooby gang. Like, you know, like, give them that motivation. And, and so the last kind of bit is that Vincent Van Gogh is, is giving the award, and Flim Flam comes up and accepts it, and then Vincent Van Gogh is kind of like, uh, no, this award is for Scooby-Doo. And Flim Flam's just, like, starting to give a speech. And the rest of the gang's like, the award is for Scooby. But here's the ironic thing. Flim Flam deserves the award. Flim Flam, that's the thing I'm thinking. Flim Flam did so much of the work. I mean, if not Flim Flam, Scrappy, who was Flim Flam's uh, sidekick for each one of these gags, Scooby did maybe nothing. 
F all. He did. Honestly. Honestly, Scooby and Shaggy were barely in this except for wordplay. Which was good. Like, though. wordplay of the year award? Give it to him. Give it to Shaggy. Absolutely. I'll accept that. Scooby, either give it to the whole gang or give it to Flim Flam. Because Flim Flam deserves this award. And they kind of tacitly acknowledge that after Scooby gets the award by uh sandy and selma saying like hey what's your secret tell us what your secret is and they dive in to give them the old flim flam yeah they do a a reprise well hang on if your secret is flim flam shouldn't he get the award and can i also say in capping off this episode daphne in a uh coat and tails fetching works for me it is so fetching i also gotta say they animate her hair really well while she's dancing I really like Daphne in this series. I mean, she's obviously the voice of reason. She's the adult in the room. Um, I wish she was in this episode more. And, yeah, she was terribly fetching in the tux. Yeah, uh, women in suits. I can get behind that. It's a great look. And men in dresses are disgusting. (laughs) Vile. (laughs) 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 Okay, do you want to issue an apology or... I apologize on behalf of men wearing dresses to everyone who has to see that film. I don't like this character. You know what? That's not true. I do you really do like this character. This character. That's really the funny. reason I'm doing it is because I got a little laugh. I'm, I need to be better. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Uh, I, so you're not against men in dresses? No, I'm not at all. In fact, I, I think I am going to start watching RuPaul's Drag Race, um, even though I don't typically watch reality TV. So I think that means that I am open-minded. Slave in the magic mirror, come from the farthest space through wind and darkness, I summon thee. Speak, let me see thy face. That's actually what the queen says in Snow White to the mirror to awaken it, I think. She calls her mirror a slave. She does. She says slave in the magic mirror. The mirror is not an entity in and of itself. There is a slave within the mirror. And I don't think... That slave is freed at all by the end. You know what I mean? You know, here, here's, a, here's an opportunity for us to provide our hot takes, okay? I, I have a question for you. Who do you think was fairer, Snow White or the Queen? The big thing for me on the Queen is that I don't think we ever see her without the, what's it called, like the head mask thing. The, it's not a do-rag, but I'm going to call it a do-rag. Okay. Don't, <laughs> don't look at me. And tell me it's not a do-rag, as if that's what I was about to say. <laughs> that was definitely... I was looking at the mirror that's you, right near you. You so strongly, like, admonished me for something that I had nothing to do with. You know, at the end of the day, I think the queen is more attractive to me. Because Snow White is so, like, so... Homely. Wow. Wow. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> Dude. Dude, you're so right. She's... Oh, But no, okay, the queen is more attractive, I think, because she has more of a personality. Oh. Like, she's got a little bit of attitude. And I think Snow White, like, the kind of mincing qualities to her are not attractive to me. She's never not mincing. She's never not mincing. Yeah. And I will say that I think a lot of people conflate the queen with her, like, old witch form, which is not like her that was like a costume that's machine. not my queen so you can find us at scoobydudes.com scoobydudes.com yep uh podcast uh, twitter Sco- the scooby dudes 
uh, at the Scooby Dudes. Facebook slash the Scooby Dudes. Um, Gmail, send us uh, an email at Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. And then lastly, uh, or second to lastly, write us an iTunes review. Evan will read it on air on the podcast. Um, those five star reviews, because it has to be five stars, mean a lot to us. So we really appreciate those. I only read the five stars. Yes. Uh, and then maybe. Maybe you don't just want to rate us mm. on iTunes. Maybe you don't just want to go to our Facebook and our Twitter and like and follow us and just write us an email. Maybe you want to give us some mm, encouragement. No, no mm, mm, I don't need encouragement, Devin. I mean, I do. I'm very desperate for it. Frankly, I'm, Maybe I'm starved for it. Maybe you want to bolster our self-esteem. Yeah. Maybe you want to make a deposit yeah. to mm-hmm. our... Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, the right track. Sense of oh, self worth. No, no, uh, uh-uh, no. Right. Maybe, maybe they want to uh, provide some kind of fiscal, financial support um, to our wallets. No, no, Give no, us no, no, money. no, 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 no. Maybe no, they want what? to compensate us with thoughts and prayers. Oh, thoughts and prayers. You know what? Thoughts and prayers do make the big difference when it comes to podcasting. So go to patreon.com, put in your credit card information, select the $20 per month option, and that will automatically send us your thoughts and prayers on a monthly basis. And you'll get some great, con- uh, some great content in return for that. Um, we're talking about extra little bits of recording. We're talking about uh, custom written jokes by me and punched up to perfection by Evan. We're talking about... Uh, maybe I'll take a screenshot of Evan t- opening up his hoodie to me right now. <laughs> I gotta go, man. I'm like, I need a change right now. <laughs> go to patreon.com, donate to us. It means a lot. It keeps the podcast floating. We commission original title card art for each episode, and the money almost entirely goes to that. So patreon.com slash scoobydudes will give you a big shout out the first time, and we'll keep shouting you out every week after that. Don't believe me? You shouldn't, because I'm a liar, but I'll prove myself to be truthful on this one point. Here are our beloved donors. Yeah. Uh, I think that you should go, I mean, you probably have at this point, you should go watch um, Childish Gambino's music video for This Is America. It's really good. We like Donald Glover. That's uh, a fact of the matter. You should also, you know what, listeners? Go back and watch old Derek comedy sketches, because I think they really hold up. That is the true... Uh, because honestly, you've probably already seen the Childish Gambino music video by this point. Um, I don't know. Definitely go back and definitely go back and check out Derek Comedy. Yeah, it's D E R R I C K Comedy. Just search it on YouTube. You can see Donald Glover um, do uh, sketch sketch comedy. Yeah, I mean, when he was if his coming much SNL appearance whets your appetite for that kind of Donald Glover content. Go back and watch Derek Comedy. You'll get more in earlier stuff. Uh, other than that, we gotta go, listeners. You've kept us long enough. This face was the last idea I had. (laughs) I got nothing else.